back to the Mason Jar here on the Cersei Institute Podcast Network. I am David Kern, and I am joined, as always, here in the Mason Jar by Cindy Rollins. Cindy, welcome back to the show. How's it going? Thank you. It's it's going well. It's beautiful time of year. Yes. Yeah, it, how's the color in Chattanooga? Uh, not too good. We have the worst color this year I've ever seen. But it may be that last. Uh, sometimes you think it's not going to change, and then boom, you have this glorious display. But it's been so warm. Yeah, we have had the same issue. Yeah, so we'll see. It, it's not over yet. We finally had our first frost like last night, so that might might speed things up a little bit. But I don't know how many people really want to listen to us talk about the weather. That's um, true. <laughs> I'm a weather person. I could talk all day about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are here to answer a listener question. Um and we'll get to that in just a second quickly. Before we do that, though, I want to just say a word from our friends over at the Homegrown Preschooler. You've heard me talk about them plenty of times. But they provide books, curriculum, and educational tools for young learners. The latest brain research continues to confirm that beginning with a hands-on approach enables children to progress easily to more complex subject matter. So Homegrown gives you the tools to ensure that your child has a rich and enjoyable childhood while growing in knowledge and character. The curriculum, which is called A Year of Playing Skillfully, provides everything you need to offer your young learner a complete early childhood education. Your child will be invited to discover and experience on a daily basis delivering the necessary foundation for lifelong learning. So this pre-planned, wonder-based curriculum offers parents the opportunity to relax and enjoy those precious first years without compromising the quality of education your child will receive. If you want to learn more about Homegrown and the program A Year of Playing Skillfully, you can head over to thehomegrownpreschooler.com. Again, that's thehomegrownpreschooler.com. Okay, let's answer, some, let's answer this listener question. We have a lot of content coming up here on the Mason Jar. We've got lots of interviews. We've got some bonus content for Patreon going up. Some little little uh, tease here. Some Christmas themed stuff to go with the Advent Guide. Um, but this week we're going to answer a question. Well, Cindy's going to answer a question. And this question comes from somebody who uh, watched the Scully Sisters uh, teleconference, the recordings of that, and she said that in your talk. You mentioned, Cindy, the importance of cheerfulness in the homeschooling mother. And you said that it would be better for students to be in public school than home with a grumpy mother. So the person that asked the question says, this is a strong statement. And she mentions how you called attention to how our culture seems to value emotional authenticity overall, but that there is value in faking it till you make it. Um, that there is value in acting in a way that is incongruent, incongruent, incongruent with one's current emotional state. Um, for the sake of love. And she's paraphrasing. She admits here she's paraphrasing what you were saying. She says, this is rarely talked about in the context of home education. So she says she would love to hear your heart on what this looks like in the life of an educating mother. So she in particular says, in seasons of loss, grief, and trial, how did you walk about putting on cheerfulness um, to lead your heart for the sake of your family? What does imitating cheerfulness look like and not look like? And what has been the result? Um, and she mentions, she's, you know, she says... She's been homeschooling for a while, 11 years. She finds herself in a season of physical trial. Um, there's pain and exhaustion. Um, and she mentions that on days when she's struggling, she doesn't think that she could be described as cheerful. She says, she's, she says, and I think probably a lot of moms feel, feel like this, and that's why I'm reading this whole bit. It's kind of long, but I, I feel like it's good context. She says that she doesn't feel like she's cruel or unkind and that there is warmth and love in her home on those days. And that she fights to be as, as together as she can be, but she does admit, you know, she's a sinner and gets grumpy and overwhelmed more often in this trial. 
um, and her children can see that, you know, um, and that they need to see her be more quiet and, and all that. Um, so how, how do you, how should she better fake it till she makes it? Because she doesn't want her struggle to remain cheerful in, in cycles of hardship to come to a point where they would be better off with someone else as their teacher. So there's a lot there. Um, yeah, there is. There's a lot there. It's good context, it's good. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's a fantastic question. And honestly, I'm glad she ans- asked it, although I'm not sure I can adequately answer it. But I do think it's something for all of us to wrestle with. Um, I did make a strong statement and I thought about it since getting this question. Do I stand by that statement? Do, was that, was I over, I've been accused of hyperbole before by my own children. I don't know <laughs> what is wrong with them, but I've tried really hard not to be that, that, that person. Um, I, I tried to be, you know, under, understate things rather than overstate them. Mm-hmm. But I had those eight boys and I was always trying to convince them to listen to me. So <laughs> I guess I got mm-hmm. in the habit of overstating um, rather yeah. than understating. But um, overstatement is better than shouting all the time. That's right. That's exactly right. I cheerfully overstated everything. (laughs) Um, But I I thought about that. What was that too harsh a thing to say that it would be better for your child to be in a public school? And and here, you know, obviously I have a child in a public school, (laughs) so we're using public school as like our worst case, you know, option kind of. Um, rather than be at home with the grumpy mother. And I'm going to stand by that statement. I'm going to say, yes, it would be better for a child to be not with a mother who is in a season of sadness, Mm. but with a mother who is perpetually unable to overcome herself and, and, and be cheerful that that mother it would be better for the children in, and their relationship with their mother not to be around her all the time if she could not overcome uh, uh, having a grumpy, gloomy attitude. Mm. Um, and, and I think that really what I hope what I'm saying is that you have permission to be cheerful. This does not mean that you... Be- have permission that that you don't have reasons not to be cheerful because to be honest all of us have reasons not to be cheerful Hmm. if we're ever going to be cheerful it is going to be because we decided to be cheerful because even right now I could tell you 150 blessings that God has given me this week and some of them quite miraculous but there's a couple of things that didn't go well this week, a couple of little niggling things that bother me about the whole week. Um, and that tends to color the way I view everything. And if I let that do that, if I let that color everything, I can become a really unpleasant person because I'm always going to have things in my life that are sad and, and genuine, they genuinely are sad. And I, I genuinely might have a health issue and, and I genuinely might have um, gone through something really difficult. Uh, and, but those things cannot be the things that we face towards our family with. And this is not really, there is a fake it till you make it. And I've gotten on the internet, I've read some of the, um, the modern takes on that. Um, C.S. Lewis talks about this. Uh, Charlotte Mason talks about how when you smile, 
here's what Charlotte Mason said many, many, many long ago before the brain research told us this is true. But she said, when you smile, your brain thinks you're happy. And that it turns out that your, your brain doesn't know when you're fake smiling. Your brain thinks that you're happy when you smile. And, and we can use it to our advantage we can because we're going to have to make it it's going to be something that we have to choose we have to say i'm going to turn a happy face towards my family because number one don't you want your children to know that you love being around them now i really loved being around my children but i don't think they always knew it because i was burdened down with the weight of raising them I was burdened down with all the responsibility that that was on me and I felt that responsibility so much and I was so serious about it that I didn't always um, show them how truly joyful I felt being able to get up every day and be with them I did feel joy within being with my children I loved it but I didn't always communicate that so that's, well, that's overview. When it comes to that last bit there, communicating your joy in being with your children, how, I mean, that's probably going to be um, different for each parent. Um, and this, I feel like this is something that's just as applicable. This part at least is just as applicable to dads as it is to moms. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe, and I imagine sometimes it's dads are even less skilled at showing this, but what does that look like to show your children that you take joy in being with them? And and again, I know that like some people are going to be more, you know, I guess this goes back to that love language concept, but some people are going to be more physically affectionate. Some people are going to be more verbal. So for some people, you know, it's in something else, but when it comes to parenting, you know, as opposed to a relationship with a spouse or someone like that, how, what should, how does that look? Um, well, I think it looks like a, a choice that we're making. Sure, it's going to be different for, for each of us. Some of us, I'm very chill person. So um, you're not, I'm not going to jump up and down and squeal when you walk into the room. I, <laughs> I may, I mean, it's all I can do to remember to smile and look you in the eye. I'm just busy thinking the lofty thoughts up here. <laughs> but, but even that is just taking the time to let the person see in some way that you see them that number one, that you see them as human and not um, people that you're like trying to fix and get ready to go out into the world. Hmm. And number Hmm. two, that you love them and accept them for who they are. I think that will go a long way in letting them um, um, feel um, that you see them and know them and love them. Um, Those, that would be the beginning of it. It's certainly for, for some people, there may be times, I did have a year of school, and I've talked about this before, but things were really, really going badly in our, our home in one area. And um, I was at the Cersei Conference, and uh, John Mark Reynolds quoted C.S. Lewis and he, and using the word jollification. Well, I knew immediately, it was as if the Holy Spirit just took that word and that was my word for the year. Usually my word for the year was something more spiritual and, and contemplative. And, but I heard that word jollification and I knew that that had to be our word for the year. And, and I went home and I was very, very sad because one of my children had just moved out and it wasn't a very good situation. And so I told my younger two guys, I said, look, 
I said, I'm going to be sad for a couple of days and I'm going to cry for a couple of days. I said, but then I'm going to dry my eyes and we're going to have a fantastic school year. And we're going to, we're just going to pick ourselves up and go on. And every, at the end of every week, we're going to celebrate some way, somehow, and we're going to have some jollification. So the theme of our school year that year, and it was in the midst of some very painful things was jollification. And I honestly think the Lord used that to rescue that year, uh, which could have just been a horrible year. I could have just gone down the deep pit of misery and depression and and self-loathing, but I did have to pull myself together and make a decision not to harm the two children that were left in my home Mm. by uh, this overwhelming sadness of of having lost a child for a period of time. Do you think that 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 there is something? Uh, well, you, you mentioned how you had to sort of just tell them, "I'm going to be sad." You had to be honest with them. Do you think that there is something that there's a connection between honesty and and that showing your children that you take joy in them, and and that honesty can lead to that jollification? That can you have that jollification or that or or a house that ex- exudes cheerfulness if there's not that sense of honesty between the members of the family? I mean, I think you can. I mean, some some people are more sharing than other people. Some people hold things closer. Yeah, um, you could. Sure. I don't know the research on all that. I think it's good. I think there's oversharing. Like you know, I think there are people who are so willing to overshare that we hear all their sadnesses, everything they feel, every ache and pain, and we and and, and that isn't exactly honesty either. So I do think mm. there's a a balance. Um, I like the word balance a lot. And I think that we, we do want to share our truthfully, but there are times when it's okay not to share. We don't have to share everything. Um, we're, we tend to think that sharing is authenticity. Maybe sometimes more than being authentic, it's important to protect the people you're with. Maybe sometimes you protect them by preparing them for life, by telling them what's going on in your life. Yeah, this is really upsetting me. That might, there. I think we go back to Ecclesiastes. There's a time to share and a time not to share. And we can't just think it's all about sharing, that if I'm authentic, then, um, then I have to let my child know every little thing I feel when that isn't true, um, your child needs to actually see that you aren't that concerned with every little thing you feel. Hmm. Um, That that Hmm. isn't the center of the universe, um, your, your own feelings that you're, that you actually can choose um, um, to, to, um, to act differently than how you feel. I think there's a lot of power in that. I've been reading this book called Champagne for the Soul by Mike Mason. My son um, suggested it, and it's just been a fantastic, fantastic read. But he did an experiment where he said, I'm going to choose to be happy. For 90 days, I'm going to be happy. And each each chapter in the book is one of those days. And um, one of the things he says is that happy people have just as much pain as anyone else, often more, um, but that they, rather than settling inside a happy soul, pain moves through it as a channel, and that channel becomes joy. Joy 
keeps pain moving. And I think that's what we're talking about. And we're just going to keep moving through the pain and, and the joy the joy that we show to our children is really love that we feel towards them. Because if you think about it, if you're ever around an unhappy person or someone who is not cheerful, someone who is grumpy, it's a burden. Hmm. And we can, we place that burden on our children. Um, and, and, and it's, and it's a hard burden for them to bear. And it's really not right for us to do that. And that is why I go back to saying, um, if you have, if you cannot overcome yourself, if you are so overwhelmed, um, then you, then you should get your children somewhere where they don't have to be around you. So they do not have to bear the burden of your unhappiness. I've been through some really hard things. I've been through some trying times. I honestly don't think I even knew what joy and happiness were until I started. I started to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And then I knew that, that this isn't just trying to be um, a fake person who has always got a smile on their face. But this is actually trying to appropriate what God has already told us um, that we have, that we have, we have Christ. And so we can fight for the joy that we have in him. And, and we can't, we really, sometimes I think we just don't give ourselves permission to be happy. We feel like, oh, I have this important stuff to do. I have to raise my kids. I have to get them through school. I don't know. They're going to be in high school. They have to have a transcript. It's all on me. How could I possibly be happy with such an overwhelming, um, important job that I have to do? Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that we just have to say, no, we, we have an important job that we're doing with our children, but it, but we also must be happy while we're doing it. And we're allowed to be happy while we're doing it. We don't have to bear the burden of it all. Hmm. That idea of burden keeps coming up on the one hand, the burdens that, that we have to bear that, you know, you as moms have to bear. And then also the idea of trying to avoid burdening our children with them. And then you've also talked about balance. Do you have any words of wisdom for the balance of cluing our in our kids into the burdens that we're bearing? Um, and it goes back to that honesty question, I guess, again, but you know, when you have younger children, you, you are, your kids are, they might know what's going on, but you're a lot less likely to to explain to them why you're unhappy, at least in anything but broad strokes but as your kids get older when i mean when and and how do you think you should clue your children into why you're unhappy at times and and again i know you don't want to overshare but there's got to be some kind of a balance there right especially if they they ask you Mm -hmm. i think one clue or cue is when they ask you are you Mm -hmm. okay they're being perceptive Yes. And, they're, yes. They're and then you it, should yeah. be honest. You should say, I mean, I, I teach a very, very um, uh, highly sensitive child. You could say, I think there's the term highly sensitive. So if you're around a child like that, they, they, they will be feeling your pain a lot. So if they say to you, I mean, sometimes my student will say, what's wrong? And I won't even know something's wrong. And then I'll think, oh, I've been bearing this burden. I didn't realize I was bearing. But he noticed that. Hmm. Um, and, and I'm just really honest with him. Now, I don't say, um, I, I was really concerned 
about him this week because um, he knew and I knew that my father had just passed away and it was a tough yeah. time. But mm. um, also, um, I I am not grieving as those with no hope. And so I, I just shared with him that I, I, sh- I actually put on a happy face for him over the fact that my father passed away because if I'm a Christian and I really believe what I say, I believe it really was a happy thing that my father had passed away. And this wasn't to take away from the fact that there was a lot of sadness involved because there were many tears. Um, my dog, Max, could not actually take it. I had to, was he, Max, I had to stop crying because Max wouldn't leave me alone. He was so upset about it. Mm. I was like, I actually had to be cheerful for my dog's sake, <laughs> but, um, but it didn't hurt me in any way to have to dry my tears. Um, there's a time to cry and there's a time to dry your tears and get up and go along your day. But I did have to be sensitive. I had to say, yeah, this was a really hard thing. We had to say goodbye to my dad, but also this was a really, really wonderful thing because we're Christians and we really believe that Jesus died for us and that we're going to see him face to face. And if we really believe that, then we're allowed to be sad and miss somebody. But um, our sadness is just so full of hope. And they're really, um, when we face these really hard things, the happiness that can come with them, it really is a gift from God. Um, we're allowed to be happy in our sorrows. What happens is we become miserable in our sorrows. And really, as a Christian, we're not allowed to be miserable. (laughs) Um, But we are allowed to be, we're we're allowed to be sorrowful, but our sorrow always should have a tinge of happiness, a a tinge of joy that um, there's something bigger than all this sorrow. Here's what, here, our sorrow is just a reminder of what we're saved from and what we're going to have eventually. We're, we're saved from the full effects of these really terrible, sorrowful things. Hmm. That's ha- a happy thought. Hmm. So you've mentioned a couple of things that I just want to follow up on. Um, just, uh, I'm anticipating up a couple of people's questions. Um, and one of them was this idea, this kind of, you talk about balance a lot, um, you have, and then you also use the word grumpy and the words cheerfulness. And that was where the questions, obviously you mentioned that in your talk and that's where it comes from. But I was wondering if you could kind of define what you mean by those, because you've used the word sorrow, you use sadness, you've used grumpy. And then there's also cheerfulness and is cheerfulness different than happiness? I mean, is, are we talking about the spirit, the way our home is sort of the spirit of our home? Or are we talking about something? I mean, when you talk about cheerfulness, yeah. and you talk about grumpiness, what is the difference between grumpiness and sadness or um, happiness and cheerfulness, if there is any? Do you, do you, know, do you know what I'm asking? Yeah, yeah, about? I get what you're saying. So, so grumpiness and cheerfulness are just little moods really i mean they aren't but many sometimes our cheerfulness or our grumpiness comes from deeper issues so i've kind of moved back and forth between the deep issues that affect us and cause us to be cheerful or grumpy and and the just the the moods on the outside i think it was cs lewis also talks about that that concept of if you if if you treat someone like you love them when you don't, you'll find yourself starting to love them. Well, the reason a lot of this has come up is because um, 
you know, a lot of modern thinking on the subject of, you know, our, our, our moods um, has to do with authenticity and being true to ourselves. And, and, and it, it kind of portrays a picture that, um, that it's okay for us to always act the way we're feeling because that's authentic. And I just question whether that is actually a way, the, a very good road to happiness for ourselves if we really genuinely want to not to be happy and for those around us who cannot possibly um, benefit from um, us being too concerned about how we feel at any given moment. So grumpiness can be a, just a simple thing as, you know, my blood sugar dropped. And or it can be um, much more deep seated. Maybe it's maybe it has a heart. It's it's root is in in some sad thing that's happened to us that makes us grumpy. So so there are. But sometimes I think in the life of a mother, as we were talking before, um, the the key is to not let your moods. Um, Hmm. affect your fam overwhelmingly affect your family hmm. uh, not to have the whole family be you know what kind of mood is she going to be in today hmm. um you know there's other things that affect a woman's mood we all know what those things are and those you know they, they are hormones are overwhelmingly i used to chalk up my answer to everything was oh it's just their hormones it's just their hormones it'll pass when <laughs> when the hormones even themselves out and it's true there are times when our hormones make it easier to be grumpy than to be cheerful and but but if that becomes the status quo or if our children begin to see us only as grumpy people who are not happy because this goes wrong that goes wrong be, then we're in trouble because things are always going to be going wrong yeah and and yeah. so the key is to the balance comes in when we realize that everything things are things are going to go wrong is it possible for me to choose to be cheerful in the midst of things going badly? And, mm -hmm. and I, I think it is. And I think not only does it help our, uh, ourselves when we do that, but I also think it helps those around us. I didn't always do this. This is, you know, another one of those things that um, I, I feel like, well, you know, I could have afforded to be less serious and more cheerful in my family. Mm -hmm. And when it got to that big thing, which we were talking about earlier, and I had to say, I'm going to cry for a couple of days, and then I'm going to wipe the tears away. I could, that was easy to see. Okay, I cannot drag these kids down into the morass of my depression. I have got to find a way to not do that that was more uh, obvious you mean like you yes you, yeah. yes i mean it, that was like in your face self-aware yeah right but yeah. it on a daily basis it was a little bit harder um you know to realize oh um you know i'm frustrated and angry um this child does this and this child does this and i'm constantly frustrated with somebody because things are always going wrong well, in the in a large family and in a small family and in any family where there's human beings involved, things are always going to be going wrong. Things, you know, someone's not going to sweep the floor right or someone's going to, um, you know, fail a test today. Yeah, fail. Somebody's going to fail a test. Somebody's going to be. There's always, always going to be little niggling things. Um, yeah. Sometimes there'll be big things, but 
but most of the time it's just going to be little frustrations and those are the times when we have to choose um, to be cheerful and I think those are actually the times when it will matter the most I'm sure we're going to cry when you know and be depressed or or really 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 sad when we lose someone we love but um, that's that's okay and we and that's appropriate but is it appropriate to be frustrated every single day because you know somebody forgot to, to, to turn the oatmeal off and it burned or yeah. and, which is really a horrible thing to have <laughs> it smells terrible or and then you got to clean it up Ugh. yes and then the pot really basically has to be thrown away yeah. usually so i mean that's basically a, the end of the day and it's barely yes, even gotten started that's right and and so many times things like that happen yeah so those are the times where making the choice not to be um grumpy and to choose cheerfulness i think really pay off in a family do you think i mean we were kind of joking there just about the pot i mean it's it, it really is a very frustrating thing i don't mean to make light of that but also do you think there is part of this is you need to learn at times how to laugh at yourself i mean i know sometimes there really are very sad very serious things that are going on but in terms of the day-to-day and the the grumpiness that can just kind of pop up in our moods and things like that is there a degree to which mother well all of us i, I don't every time i'm on the show I'm talking about moms i feel like you know yeah <laughs> but for all of us there is a degree to which sometimes we need to be able to laugh at us or laugh with our kids and teach them to laugh at themselves in appropriate times oh yeah i always said when you were going through puberty with a child when you're walking through hell keep going when you're going through <laughs> puberty keep going but when you're um, walking through puberty with a child and the child gets to a, a place one day where he can laugh at himself um, you can take a deep breath and know that you made it you made it through so yeah if you could also learn to laugh at yourself that would be a great example to your child even if you lost your temper and got mad about um, um, the oatmeal uh, my daughter-in-law they have a thing. They laugh so hard about me and my, our family. And I really hate to tell it because, and I, ha, I just had to decide to either defend myself or to laugh at myself. And I decided to laugh at myself on this issue because it is hilariously funny. But when we used to watch movies, when we, every once in a while, because we didn't have any TV or anything. And finally the internet came along and you could watch movies in your home and we would get <laughs> the Netflix disc in the mail and we'd watch a movie and um, I sat in front of the movie with a pillow, and if anything inappropriate came up, I would put the pillow up. And now every my daughter-in-law just thought that was so funny. And then my son said he got he got old enough where he watched one of the movies, and he was like, "I want to see what that scene was," you know. And and he was like, "What?" she put a pillow over that what, what 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 was that you know and i just had to laugh at myself in that situation because of um it was just so funny that you know that was our way of censoring um the movie was the pillow in front of the television you know, you know there's there was fast forward well fast. yeah but you know sometimes you couldn't get fast forward fast get enough True. so True. And you can't cover all the children's eyes you only have so many hands yeah, and you couldn't trust them either. No, they were really good. <laughs> but everybody was telling funny stories uh, of going, you know, with their grandparents to a movie and having to close their eyes or their dad yelling down the, the thing, everybody close their eyes. <laughs> and, uh, just, um, it just, you know, we do, 
that wasn't a grumpy, not grumpy thing, but it was a thing right. where I, I did have to laugh. You have to laugh at yourself. And it's, it's just so much easier just to decide right off the bat, I'm not going to be defensive. And usually that, those are the situations where we have to choose to laugh at ourselves. Well, mm. they're usually defensive things. Am I going to be defensive or am I going to laugh at myself? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. One last question. You talked about the word seriousness a couple of times and I don't know that you were exactly meaning to draw a comparison or a, a distinction between cheerfulness um, and seriousness, but um, among many of us, we take the education, well, we all take the education of our children very seriously, but that can come out in different ways. For some people, you know, uh, it's very results or goal oriented, um, gore oriented might've been an appropriate term <laughs> as well. Um, and so sometimes that can lead to a great deal of tension in our homes if either we or our children don't meet the goals that we have um, or don't live up to the sort of serious, um, the seriousness that we hope they will or that we will in terms of their academic life or the setting that we're trying to create. So do you think that, that's, that, seri- that sort of um, seriousness can um, be detrimental to cultivating a place that is a that has a cheerful spirit about it. I do. I think that we become so serious and overwhelmed and we're trying so hard to do a good job that we don't allow ourselves to be joyful and happy. And we kind of become victims. And, you know, that's a, that is a very off-putting thing to be when we're victims and, and we're victims of, you know, I'm just doing the best. I'm trying to do all this stuff and nobody's cooperating with me. And, um, Instead of allowing ourselves to say, you know, we're just going to do our best. I'm going to do the best I can. And I'm going to try to get this as right as I can. But things are going to go wrong. And that's okay. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not good for us to be so serious. And it's not good for our children to see us thinking that it's all up to us. That, um, That because at that point, that is not faith. And the Bible says whatever is not of faith is sin. It, when we think it's all up to us, we are not walking in faith. Mm. Mm. Well, this is a uh, serious, to- serious topic, but um, yeah, thank you for for answering these questions and for um, for as always being here in the Mason Jar. Um, thank you to everyone who's been listening. If you would like to su- either support the show or get some great bonus content, you can head over to Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N uh, slash Mason Jar. Uh, actually slash the mason jar and we've got lots of cindy's talks on there and then um in november we are going to be releasing some bonus content that is related to uh advent season and the advent guide that we have and we're going to talk about that more in a future episode but i just wanted to drop that little tease in there and remind you that you can both support the show and get some great bonus content including um some mason jar um you know gifts, I guess. Um, so again, that's patreon.com slash the Mason jar. If you're interested in supporting the show, um, any final thoughts before we go? Um, well, I guess we were kind of serious on this podcast of talking about cheerfulness. So, yeah. um, we will try to laugh here and make it uh, not so hard. Um, just, <laughs> just, I, I just hope moms will give themselves a break. They will understand that, um, that it isn't all up to them and that there is joy in Christ and we do have the good news. So we have every reason to wake up and be happy. Um, We don't have to fake it because we really have genuine reasons to be happy. We just need to remind ourselves to show that on our outward appearance too. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a good lesson for uh, for dads as well. So this might be one of those ones that I would say, have your husband listen to as well. I, I think it, I'm, I've taken some things away from it as well. So thanks as always, Cindy. Oh, thank you. Thank you.